The Sea Change Podcast is sponsored by Changing Greatly Consulting, providing effective, data-driven talent and culture solutions that attracts top, diverse talent by creating psychologically safe and inclusive, high-performance cultures. Come for the talent and stay for the culture. Now, let's get into The Sea Change. Welcome to The Sea Change Show, where leaders are changing business culture for good. I'm your host, Mara Barclay. If you are a new listener, thank you so much for finding us and you did not find us by accident. Please take a moment to hit that plus sign, hit subscribe. Seriously, I am always amazed at the caliber of people who say yes to this show. I mean, it's incredible. You're not gonna wanna miss a single episode. And if you are a frequent flyer, thank you so much for coming back week after week and sharing us with your friends. It is because of you that this podcast has now been ranked in the top 5% of business podcasts worldwide, and I thank you for that. Today in our highlight episode, I'm really excited to talk about highlighting Beth Ridley, who appeared in episode 62 that dropped on July 27th. We talked a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion, including, you know, not just uh, race or, or gender, but disability. And we talked in the beginning a great deal about the learning curve and about the discomfort zone. And I wanted to bring into the conversation something I witnessed this week in my uh, role as a director of people and culture. I was conducting something called a summit. And it's, it's part one of creating an operating agreement for a team and developing the microculture or probably more accurately, thoughtfully defining and creating shared understanding around what the microculture is and managing expectations and developing KBIs, key behavioral indicators, so that we can hold people accountable for their behaviors. And in the summit, the idea is to look at team dynamics. Part of it is culture. Part of it is workflow. There is an operational aspect to human resources whereby we look at core competencies and where human capital is getting gummed up in their workflow because of lack of process and helping teams approach their cross-functional partners to develop collaborative agreements and using RACI to establish ownership and visibility and all of these things. This is an HR function. And I found that in the summit, what's, what's most helpful is to get people talking to discover whether or not there's a psychological safety gap. And you'll know when there is, because when you have the person who's ultimately responsible at, you know, a VP or higher, and you have that VP or higher come in and I ask them, what are your pet peeves? And they make a list of things that bother them. And that sounds like a very unsophisticated approach, I'm sure. But what's happening underneath the pet peeve is they are revealing 
to everyone what their work style preferences are, what their communication preferences are. And that saves people the mental gymnastics of trying to figure that out. And if your work style and communication preferences uh, are different, now you can have a conversation about it versus killing yourself to adapt to somebody because everybody needs to be able to work in their zone of genius. So we did this with the chief and then we got to the team lead and the team lead was more than happy to share a handful of pet peeves and they're all very practical things, you know. And then we got to the direct reports, the actual team. And when I asked for their pet peeves, it was crickets. And I thought, how interesting. This team does not feel psychologically safe to risk revealing the things that bother them in case there's an implication against, in their minds, their team leads, their colleagues, or, God forbid, the biggest power in the room, the VP or above. So I recognized the need there to create some guardrails, some safety, and you always need a first domino. That's key. Somebody of consequence needs to model vulnerability and risk-taking. And if it's a team member, that looks a little bit different than if it's leader. And in, in the case of my team, the chief actually was uh, voluntarily offered um, Oh, I remember what it was. I asked the chief, how do people on your team know that you are open to upstream feedback? So knowing this particular individual, I didn't preface the question. If you work in a large matrix organization, or if you're new, you need to ask the following question first. Are you open to upstream feedback? Now, most leaders might not think about that as an important question. And it absolutely is. It's huge. It's part of transparency. It is part of psychologically safe culture. It is part of high trust culture. And everything I just said contributes heavily to a high performance culture. So people feeling like they can have a voice regardless of who they're talking to, even though it's done with respect, right? As long as it's done with respect, it's fine. Now, the reason I'm going this deep in the weeds on this stuff is because what, what Beth and I talked about is personal growth and discomfort zone. So I really wanted to get to the soliciting of upstream feedback. I asked him, how do people know that you are open to upstream feedback? And he said, because I solicit it, I ask for it. Now you can ask for it, but if your team has never seen it done, they will not give it to you. Now, the other thing that this chief did that was brilliant and unexpected was at the point where I'd asked the team, hey, what are your pet peeves? What frustrates you about being remote, about team dynamics, about workflow, you know, any, just giving them anything that they could start to take that risk with. And when he heard it was crickets, he stepped up he came on camera and he offered, here's five things that I know frustrate people about working with me. And then proceeded to rattle them off. 
And I was kind of gobsmacked. I just had the deer in the headlights look as I blinked, just blinked like what an incredible sense of self-awareness and vulnerability and self-acceptance. And once he did that, everybody climbed on board because he already knows. <laughs> They're not telling him something he doesn't know. And I can see, number one, for people who don't want to get fired and they're not sure whether or not they will. And of course, not at my company, but, you know, listen, in a hierarchy of any kind, whoever is below someone else is going to feel the need to be careful. And anything that might reflect negatively in any way on someone who has more power influence or is higher up in the hierarchy, they need to feel very, very safe to take that risk. And what he did by offering these things was de-risk it for everybody. And it was amazing to watch the way that this phenomena, this amazing phenomena happened. And I think every leader should have this conversation with their team. What was amazing about it is it set up a precedent for them to recognize and feel safe asking, Hey, remember that one time, <laughs> like Chris Farley, you, 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 you remember when you asked for upstream feedback, <laughs> that was cool. Right. So remember, uh, are you open to some upstream feedback and that they've already said yes. And you can always ask them is now a good time or do you want to set something up? And then you get to say your piece. And then the leader has some insight that's going to help his team perform better. And you build trust with your team when this happens. The applicability to DEI is the following. For most white middle-aged men, for most white cisgender heterosexual men, the society is set up so that it adapts to them. That's just how it's set up. And I don't want to get in the weeds about the subjectivity of that, because if world, if world wars went differently and different people came to power, it could be an entirely different socially dominant group in our country. It just so happens now it is white men, heterosexual, cisgender white men. Okay. So let's just accept that as the way it is in our culture. Everybody adapts to them and everybody is trying to achieve what they have to work harder to achieve what they achieve because the system was created for ease for the socially dominant group. That's what socially dominant groups do. It's their job to try to exclude others and make their life easier so they can continue to dominate and rule resources. Very tribal. It's, a, it's in our anthropology. The point is this. There are very many white men, and I know very many of them, they are in my circle of influence and in my network. And I am deeply grateful for these very self-aware. I'm not going to use the word woke because that word's been, it has been co-opted and changed. Very just self-aware men who recognize their need to grow and their desire to grow because they truly are focused on being better. They are actively soliciting feedback for unconscious bias. Now, where we get into trouble is when 
socially dominant groups don't recognize their privilege. They don't verbalize their privilege and they don't ask for feedback because the, of their privilege. That's where we run into trouble. This is where micro, I mean, microaggression is uh, a great example of what happens when we have a socially dominant group that does not call out their privilege and ask for feedback when they're doing something that looks like bias to somebody else. When you do this, when you have set the tone in the dynamic that opens the door for this feedback, there are no more microaggressions. Micro, microaggressions can only happen in an environment of lack of awareness and lack of transparency and communication. And by that, I mean, if someone is doing something that is racist, sexist, whatever, and they are not aware of themselves, they're not aware of the practice. I'm not talking about motivation because the motivation is moot. This is about how it happens. If every cisgender hetero white male said to anyone who didn't look like him, listen, I know I have unconscious bias. I am deeply committed to being fair and equitable to everybody. I don't know what I don't know. I am relying on you to let me know when that happens. And I'm asking you for grace because it's not coming from a place of disrespect. It's coming from a place of, of ignorance. And I would consider it a great gift if you would take those moments to educate me and help me be a better person. A microaggression could not happen in that environment. And this is what is needed. The way for men who feel vulnerable right now to protect themselves is to welcome feedback and ask for it. So simple. So simple. When you ask for feedback and it comes, it's uncomfortable, but it's not a shock. It doesn't feel like left field because you've opened the conversation. You've opened the door for it. So that is my highlight for the Beth Ridley episode. The way to personal growth is for asking, asking for feedback and assuring people, especially if you're in a position of power and influence or you are above someone in a hierarchy, it's okay. As long as you tell me with respect, we're good. And I, I fully appreciate it. It's a gift. Putting yourself in that position of deference flips the dynamic. Now, suddenly there is no hierarchy. It's flat because you're asking them to help you be better. You're asking them to coach you, train you, whatever it is, educate you, get you out of your ignorance, which will help the company and help build trust and drive insanely high performance out of your teams. That is my recommendation. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much coming back week after week. And I will look forward to hearing from you in the comments and in the ratings. Please share us with your friends. Thanks so much. Have an amazing weekend, folks. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Sea Change Show. We sure appreciate you stopping by and taking your very valuable time to visit with us. Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Who knows what's going to happen? I never do. It's always up in the air. And if you would like to be a guest, if you have something to offer, I would love to talk to you. Please email me at cultureworks 
at morabarclay.com. And that's M-A-U-R-A-B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com. I would love to talk with you. And if you have someone who you think would be a good fit for this show, please reach out to me and connect me. I want to keep celebrating and amplifying as many of these voices as possible. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.